0: You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustine Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. I am Taylor Kemp, the director formed and with me is Dr. Elizabeth Klein. Dr. Klein, it's great to have you back on Catholic Saints. It's great to be here. You are filling out our saint calendar probably more valiantly than any of our other professors. I love the saints. So we're grateful for that. Today, we are talking about the Martyrs of Lyon lyon and vienne that's right i got the pronunciation right you got it right all right who are they
1: so the martyrs of Leona Vienne uh, were a group of people who were martyred under Marcus Aurelius around the year 177. Uh, I really love this martyrdom story. I think it's one of the best ones. And apparently you guys weren't sick of martyrs, so I just got some more. But uh, this this particular story is one of the few stories that we have um, kind of really securely know about this story before uh-huh. the persecution of Diocletian, uh, the great persecution of the fourth century. So there. are okay early, ancient martyrs. So the reason we know about these martyrs is because um, the church historian Eusebius of Caesarea mm-hmm. uh, has a part of a letter written about them in his ecclesiastical histories. Okay. So we know that it kind of predates him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had recorded, apparently, the entire story in a now lost work, so we don't have the whole thing. Unlucky. Uh, but we have this kind of um, letter that was written by someone in the community of Lyon Vienne Vienne uh, about these martyrs. Uh, If you ever go to Lyon, France, Mm -hmm. you can still visit the place where these martyrdoms took place. It's a a place called the Amphitheater of the Three Gauls. (laughs) Um, So we had talked a little bit about persecution in this really early period. I think uh, when we did Perpetuum Felicity, maybe we talked about it a little bit. Uh, But these early Christian persecutions are a little more kind of random and Mm -hmm. scattered. We don't always know. We often do not have the circumstance of the arrest, like what precipitated like what are the charges? What are the charges or who accused them Mm -hmm. or why they're being uh you know kind of imprisoned. Um and so we have this really um I don't remember if we talked about this in that episode, but we have this really interesting rescript from the Emperor Trajan that explains Mm -hmm. how this would work. So uh it's from the letter from Pliny to Trajan. So this governor in Syria writes to the emperor and he's like, look, I got these Christians I don't really know who they are, what to do with them. He's like, I'm not really interested in like going out and finding them. I'm not really interested in like weird anonymous tips. But like, yeah. if they wind up in my court, like this is what I've done. I've made yeah. them sacrifice to the emperor. If they refuse to do that, I give them an opportunity to recant. If they refuse to do that, I have them tortured and killed. Mm-hmm. And the emperor's like, sounds good. Yeah. Um and so it's sounds kind, of, so it's kind of like a haphazard. Process and the charges are various. So, in the particular cases of the martyrs of Lyon of Vienne, they are accused, it seems, of cannibalism and incest. Okay. So the reason that they're accused of this, of course, is cannibalism because of the Eucharist, right? Uh, and incest because um, Christians call each other brother and brother sister, and, sister, uh, yeah. uh, and also um, they seal prayer with a holy kiss. Uh, mm. And at least some early sources indicate that this kiss was on the lips. So that
0: is interesting. That
1: is maybe some you the know kiss the kiss of closest, peace like never before. Yeah, the kiss of peace. Yeah, our kiss of peace, American kiss of peace, doesn't really necessarily measure up to uh, the early standards of the kiss of peace. Uh, anyway, so and and they've been in secret.
0: <laughs> we don't even want to shake hands. We don't. It's more like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not. That we call it, that's what we call it the sign of peace. We it's don't call it the kiss of peace. peace. We call it the sign of peace. calm down because, everybody. You know, we just give a sign. I'm sure in Europe <laughs> the kiss of peace is I'm a little sure. retained
0: trying To remember, a little I mean, more in its
1: original form, perhaps, yeah,
0: yeah. All right, so they are accused of cannibalism, the Eucharist, incest because we are calling each other brother and sister, and they they have the kiss of peace,
1: right? Uh, and they they meet in secret, right? And so, any kind of clandestine gathering, what's going is, on there? Is Something has to be going on, right? There. Is yeah. considered, um, sort of suspect, uh, so you have all these uh, martyrs, you know, being, <clears throat> being tortured uh, in an attempt to extract a confession from them. Okay. Uh, and so this idea of confession is kind of twofold. Christians see their confession as saying, I am a Christian. Yeah. Uh, and it was, in fact, the case that you could be put to death just for that confession. Uh, but Romans also had the idea that people told the truth under torture. So we might think that they're very vicious and cruel, which is, in fact, the case. If you read these martyrdom stories, it's pretty horrific. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they had some psychological understanding that if you were tortured, you would tell the truth. So they're trying to torture these people to extract, you know, the confession. Would you say
0: the opposite is really
1: the truth? (laughs) Yes. I mean, yeah, psychologically the opposite. So we know now that the opposite is the truth. But that's not what the Romans thought. And especially if you're like a slave or like someone low class, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, they don't tell the truth. So you got to torture them. Um, usually, Roman like an excuse you, to torture, yeah. right? Usually, Roman citizens were exempt from torture mm-hmm. uh, and from uh, these kind of elaborate deaths in the arena or whatever. Okay. Usu- usually, if you're a Roman citizen, you had the right to be beheaded, like Paul, like Paul, right? So yeah, Paul appeals mm-hmm. to be transferred to Rome and all these things. So that that does come up in this story. One reason um, that I think this story is so interesting is that it really. I don't know, it gives you a little bit of insight into the psychology of making a confession of faith, especially when other people are not doing so. Okay. So, in the story, there are a number of people, both slave and free, who recant and who even confess to cannibalism and incest and accuse the Christians of doing Hmm. that under torture and trial. Yeah. So, this kind of complicates, like, I think it's very easy to valorize martyrdom and Mm -hmm. think of it as. I don't know. Not e- I, no one thinks it's easy, but like very clear. Yeah, like it's just this very clear thing. Mm-hmm. It's like well, you either sacrifice to the gods and you know your toast, or mm-hmm. you stay firm to Christ, and like those mm-hmm. are the only options. But there's actually <clears throat> historically, it's very complicated. So you have some of the people in the story who recant and then later are punished <laughs> anyway. Mm-hmm. because either the Roman governor thinks that they are they seem guilty and mm-hmm. they're probably guilty of this stuff anyway, or they're rearrested later and do make confession. Mm. Uh, and so it's just a very kind of complex picture. And I think this is important today when we think about, I don't know, some people think about like maybe red martyrs will return or maybe we'll have yeah. to make confession under difficult circumstances. But it's often very muddy. Like, it's often, it does require great faith and trust in God and clarity Mm -hmm. of thinking because from the Romans' perspective, they, like, they are kind of weird and suspect. It's a new religion. They Mm -hmm. don't really know what's going on. There are a lot of, like, slaves and lower-class people who they think are susceptible to superstition involved in it. And I thought, in particular, there's one uh, martyr in the story whose name is Sanctus, um and he's a deacon mm-hmm. and he refuses to say anything other than i am a christian mm-hmm. the entire time which mm. is really beautiful and yeah, moving beautiful yeah but if you think about it from a roman governor's perspective <laughs> right like if you're at trial and you're yeah. like please state your name and you're like i am a christian where are you from i am a christian yeah you'd think like, he's insane like on what day were you arran- yeah. i am a christian right yeah. you're going to think they're crazy mm-hmm. and so from his perspective there's like there is a there's a psychological thing going on there which is you, you actually might not make it. Mm -hmm. You might not actually profess the faith. You're saying in Sanctus. Sanctus, Totally. And you can, you can
0: imagine that if you're, if you're facing torture and pain and maybe death, you're probably wrestling with this in your mind of what do I do? You're thinking about people at home or I don't know who, I don't know what would go through your mind, but probably a lot. And if you're like, I'm going to hold on to the one thing, I know I need to say I right. am a Christian, right? And then you just stick to it. Right. I can, you, I can totally get how you would get there.
1: And the martyrs, you, in in various stories, you can see that they are concerned and pray that they will make a good confession, mm-hmm. uh, because not not everybody makes not it. Every, yeah, there are people who recant under torture. Um,
0: yeah, it's quite true. Understandably. It, 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 yeah.
1: Um, and and so I, I just mean that for today, if we're thinking about defending the faith in the public sphere, or if ever anyone were to have the opportunity for red martyrdom, it's n- not going to look good.
0: Yeah, it's not good, yeah.
1: Right, it's not going to look, you probably won't look heroic. Yep. And if you look at a lot of even you know, modern martyrs, someone like um, Blessed Franz Jägerstatter, who mm-hmm. was martyred under the Nazis for refusing to serve, from the perspective of his country, he was a traitor. Yeah. You know, and that, like, it didn't look...
0: Yeah, we hold him up as a hero. We hold him up as a hero now in but retrospect. Like, but, in his, his life? Yeah,
1: in his own life, and his family had to bear mm. that shame... For the whole, you know, yeah. for the whole time after that, he died as a traitor to his country. Yep. Um, And this is how the Romans feel about the Christians. Like, if you don't sacrifice to the gods, and if you're doing stuff in secret uh, mm. against Roman religion, you're a security threat because if the gods are angry, then yep. the Roman Empire falls. And yeah, so there, there's a lot of there's a lot riding on this in terms of national identity, religious identity, social co- cohesion which makes it logical for the Romans to persecute them. Of course, Roman persecution is extremely horrific. Right. I'm not trying to that. No, but from that. a worldly
0: perspective, you're like, I get it. Like, I can see what you're trying to do. Right. Force or, religious unity for the sake of the society. Yeah.
1: Right. And for them, it's very palpable. Like, I mean, it, it's not, um, it's not just like sociopolitical or something. Mm-hmm. Like they actually believe the gods exist and that they will be mad if you don't worship yeah. them. Uh, and that this is, even if they're not religious people, it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you don't mess around with that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and that's, that's their view, and and you'll even see Roman governors saying like, look, like just just sprinkle a little incense, like nobody cares, yeah. That. I'll be all fine. Um, so anyway, that's a that's an interesting aspect uh, of this story. But mm-hmm. to kind of turn, but on the flip side of that, uh, the, the the tortures described in this story are quite intense, and they are real Roman tortures. Like these are not invented. Like I know maybe sometimes if you've read some other hagiographies or the Golden Legend or something, mm-hmm. some of these things are kind of fantastical Mm. or whatever. This is not fantastical. This is uh, representing uh, Roman torture in things like being stretched on the rack uh, and being clawed. Um, And one of the ones they particularly mention is being like roasted on a chair, on an iron chair. Mm. Uh, And these are all forms of torture that uh, Romans use. There's one um, particular uh, martyr who's really held up among them, mar- all of them, whose name is Blandina. Mm-hmm. And Blandina is a slave. Okay. Uh, and so she is, you know, the lowest uh, female slave is the lowest of the low uh, mm-hmm. in Roman society. Uh, and she's really held up as the leader of the martyrs wow. uh, and likened to kind of the Maccabean mother. So there's a kind of cool inversion of this story where the Romans are accusing them of cannibalism, mm-hmm. uh, but they kind of turn it around when they're being like literally roasted like on an iron chair. Right like now. you're cooking people yeah. alive. Uh, and so you have a kind of um, echo of the Maccabees when they refuse to eat mm-hmm. uh, the the meat. And so she's likened to kind of the Maccabean mother who That's watches all of her yeah. children die ahead of her uh, and is a, is kind of fortifies them. So I want to read one just little, really Please, inspiring yeah. thing yeah. Uh, about Blandina here. Okay, so the, she's tortured in a number of a number of rounds of tortures. So this is just one of the times. Um, okay, through her, so through Blandina, Christ showed that what seems worthless, without appearance and contemptible among men, is deemed worthy of great glory in the eyes of God on account of the love for Him that is manifested in power and does not boast in appearance. For we were all afraid, and her mistress, according to the flesh, too, who was herself in the contest of one of the martyrs. She was anxious that she, so the mistress was anxious, that Blandina might not be able to make a bold confession because of the weakness of her body. Hmm. But Blandina was filled with such power that those taking turns to inflict every form of torture on her from dawn to dusk failed and gave up, confessing that they were defeated and had nothing left to do to her. They were astonished that she continued to breathe since her entire body was torn and laid open, and they swore that a single form of torture was enough to draw the soul from the body, never mind the various and numerous tortures they used on her. But like a noble champion, the blessed woman was restored by her confession, and it was for her recovery and repose and relief to say, I am a Christian, and among us nothing vile happens. Hmm. I just think that's it's so beautiful, and I think it, it shows what was threatening about Christianity, but also what was so beautiful, right, that the things despised of the world are made powerful by Christ.
0: And,
1: you know, Roman slavery, like, it's hard for us now to imagine the kind of establishment that Roman slavery is like. Mm-hmm. There are different classes of people. Like the idea in, in America today that like all people are born equal under the eyes of God or something that is not an yeah, ancient not Roman it, yeah. ideal. Um, this you're a different class of person. Mm-hmm. You don't have rights. You don't. You know. You're mm-hmm. and like their fear for her is like well she's not really like yeah she's lesser. she's a little
0: less she's a little yeah.
1: lesser, uh, and so. For her, but her solidarity with Christ, right who became mm-hmm. lower than the angels, who became like a slave, as mm-hmm. Philippians 2 says, uh, is really brought out specifically uh, in this character. And I just think I just think she's really inspiring.
0: It is really inspiring and it, it, it helps. Uh, it, I feel like um, we always need to be called back to kind of the measure of Christianity as Christ on the cross. Uh, that it's so easy even for us who are trying to walk very faithful lives to get caught up in like some kind of coming together of a worldly vision of success, whatever that may be, like whether that's a fi- like your t- the family that you have or your job or your money or your car or whatever it may be. And it's like the measure of success is just the cross. <laughs> it's love. Yeah. It, that's the measure of success is love. Uh, and that she puts that on display. And I was thinking, I don't remember, I'm pretty sure it's in the Gospel of Matthew. I should have the quote. I'm sorry, somebody, you can Google it. But when Jesus says, you will be you will be brought in, you will be thrown in front of councils and you will be tortured. And he says in the, that moment, do not worry about what you will say for the Holy Spirit will help you know what to say. And I've always been struck by that because there's this promise of like, as a Christian, you're going to be helped out by the Holy Spirit in terms of your confession. Mm-hmm. But that's in the context of, of maybe not necessarily martyrdom, but Mm -hmm. like trial Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that you can see that, um, in Blandina and in so many of the martyrs. I mean, we've, I don't think we have a Catholic saints on this, but we should, but on St. I was recently reading about St. John de Brebeuf and Mm -hmm. Isaac Jones. It's the same thing. You're like, Oh my gosh, this is so inspiring. These guys are just getting kind of ripped apart and they are so steadfast. Um,
1: and the, and the eyes that, Christ, because of Christ, the eyes that they had to see this as a victory, because obviously yeah. from a worldly perspective, this is literally the exact opposite of victory. You're exactly. like tortured in a humiliating way and eaten by wild animals. Yeah, like you're done. Like yeah. it's just, um, and in this story, they burn the martyrs' bodies and throw them into the river as a, despite the Christian doctrine of the resurrection. Uh, and so, I mean, there's there's literally reduced to dust. I mean, there's no way that yeah. you could be humiliated further. Yeah. Uh, but because of their confession and because they worship a crucified man, which right. in and of itself, like that does, that scandal does not, yeah,
0: you can never that get does to...
1: not hit us the no. way it does a Roman to, crucif- to worship a yeah. crucified man. Um, and to see, yeah, that, that Christ makes all things new. And that, you know, if you take up your cross and follow him, that you have the, promise, enemy, of life. You have the promise of life,
0: which is something that I feel like it has to be experienced. Cause it makes no sense. Like, that I, uh, you know, we kind of try to take up our cross in the Lord's providence. We encounter different sufferings at different levels, at different times. But that it, it is in that is growth and joy and peace. And you're like, oh, that's that's tough to swallow. Yeah,
1: and I always, I mean, I always think about. I think that there's a reason that there's a privileged place for the martyr as a Christian saint. I mean, the first saints are martyrs. These are the first. These are the people who are mm-hmm. in the Roman canon. They're martyrs because they most literally uh, imitate Christ mm-hmm. uh, and teach us. You know. The path that we have to follow, um, and often in many of the martyrdom stories, it's kind of a liturgical exchange. This mm-hmm. is one of my like hobby topics, martyrdom <laughs> and liturgy. Uh, but they often when they pronounce a sentence of death, the martyr will say, "Thanks be to God." <laughs> uh, and this is, this is like the, the Eucharist the act, of, right. right? To give thanks to God. Uh, and, ha- and like I don't even do that for like small sufferings, yeah. Yeah, you know, true. like when I, when you, you this know, gift, when yeah. you go to bed at night, when you're like praying your last prayers, do you think like, are you praying like, oh, please take this away from me and take that away from me and fix this problem? Or do you say, thank you.
0: Thanks be to God. yeah, Thanks
1: be to God that I nope, am deemed a, worthy to suffer with the Lord.
0: That is a great call out.
1: Um, And yeah, I mean, it's, it's inspiring to see it in such a heroic way, mm-hmm. but this story in particular, I think helps us see that the call to martyrdom is very complex yeah. and that there will be when you're trying to live up to the calling to which Christ has you know drawn you there will be others who don't and there will be others who mm. say you don't need to do that
0: yeah just do it just sprinkle like, yeah a little, just sprinkle whatever and, whatever that might be yeah, yeah and
1: later in the fourth century in the great persecution there are lots of christians who they mm-hmm. just offer the sacrifices like not that big of a deal yeah um, and there are all kinds of different levels of apostasy, which yeah. <laughs> causes controversy in terms of what to do with these people after the fact. Uh, but it is heroic and we are all called by our baptism to martyrdom. We're yeah. all called to die with Christ. We can rise like him. And it's always going to be complicated. It's, mm-hmm. and often the people yeah. who succeed are like not, they don't, don't worth anything in the eyes of the world. Yeah, I mean, I think in the church that we can... We can fall into the trap of thinking, you know, the people who are the most charismatic or the people who are on TV mm-hmm. or the people like these are, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, the stars of the, the faith. But when push comes to shove,
0: it's the, the it's, small and it the might suffering be the small and the insignificant people yeah.
1: who, and th- this is why martyrdom is especially so beautiful. And this is why the Roman canon is especially so beautiful that we commemorate these like Unknown people. I mean, mm-hmm. some of those names, like we don't even know right. yep. anything about them, but we know that they died for the faith, yep. uh, and that that is at the heart of what it means to be united to the Eucharist, mm-hmm. right? That's at the heart of it. Is that when you receive the Eucharist, you agree? when you say Body of Christ? You say Amen. You agree to be that body. Yeah.
0: That's where I'm going, yeah. Uh,
1: and, this, and this is what Blandina does in a very literal way. You know, she, she, Later, she's like hung up on a stake, and they say she looks like she's crucified, and that the sight of her encourages all uh, all the other martyrs. This is a very literal, like, she became the body yeah. of Christ. Um, but that's what we're all called to. Yep,
0: that's right. So I want to, before we, we close out here, Dr. Klein, you have had an image on your computer for a long time as yes. a, your desktop. And uh, we... Have that image. So if you're listening to this on podcast, could you give the title of it? So yeah. So if you like
1: Google, a mosaic of the arrival of Saint Pothinus. Um, So this is one of my actually favorite churches of all time uh, in Lyon, and they have these six beautiful mosaics on the wall, and they're supposed to be kind of like Mary's role in the history of Lyon. And the first one is uh, a scene. It's it is a picture of the martyrs of Lyon and Vienne, and then on the lower row are all the bishops of of Lyon, which is just a very, I think it's a very powerful image of, it's both apostolic succession, uh, but also kind of the martyrs as the cloud of witnesses, which Mm. embrace this city and which are, you know, the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So all this whole church really has grown up from the seed of the the blood of these martyrs. Uh, And so in the image on the far left, there's like a guy engulfed in flame. That's John, the apostle. Okay. So, and then the second guy in row is um, St. Polycarp. So mm-hmm. he was another martyr. Mm-hmm. So St. Polycarp was bishop of Smyrna, and he knew John the Apostle. And then the next guy who's arriving on the boat is St. Pothinus, first bishop of Lyon, who was a disciple of Polycarp. Okay. So you have this apostolic session of John to Polycarp to Pothinus, and then the dude greeting him on the shore is St. Irenaeus of Lyon.
0: The dude, uh, Irenaeus. And then
1: all the rest of them are, are the other bishops. And then up in the heavenly register, you have the martyrs of Lyon and Vienne. Blandina is the one who has like a bull's head because she was eventually killed by a bull. Mm. Uh, and they're all casting their crowns down before the feet of Christ uh, in the center of the image with uh, Mary and Jesus.
0: We're going to need to do a sacred art on, on that to, to give a deeper look, I yeah. think. Yeah, uh, it's so one of my favorites. Check it out. Can you give the
1: title one more time? So it's called The Arrival of St. Pothinus.
0: So check that out. Give it a Google and you can get some of Dr. Klein's commentary uh, overlaid. Or hopefully, if you're watching this, this will be pulled up. If you're listening, go look it up after the fact. But Dr. Klein, thank you so much. It was wonderful to learn about the martyrs of Lyon. And Vienne do you have any parting comments?
1: No. re martyrdom stories be edified.
0: They, they are very edifying. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on Catholic Saints. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org.